Right, we've had a short break and we're back in harness again and we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 14 and we look at the last few verses of chapter 14. A couple of items as usual, I just want to draw your attention to current happenings within the church and the world in general. In uh, on the World Net Daily on, on the 9th of June there was an article about a pastor in Canada he's now banned from expressing moral opposition to homosexuality the Canadian government has ordered a Christian pastor to renounce his faith and never again express moral opposition to homosexuality according to a new report in a decision handed down just days ago in the penalty phase of the quasi-judicial proceedings run by the Alberta Human Rights Tribunal, evangelical pastor Stephen Boyson was banned from expressing his biblical perspective of homosexuality and ordered to pay $5,000 for damages for pain and suffering, as well as apologise to the activist who complained of being hurt. There's another Roman Catholic priest, uh, Father Alphonse de Valk, who has also cited the biblical perspective of homosexuality in the nation's debate over same-sex marriage, and he now faces uh, further charges as well. So it's, it's all tightening up and all closing in on biblical truth. I had another thing about Tony Blair, which also is interesting. Religion is an important, as important in this century as political ideology was in the last, Blair said. The Tony Blair Faith Foundation will fight extremism, organize faith groups against poverty and illness and eradicate people worldwide about and educate <laughs> and educate people world, worldwide about religions other than their own, he said. There is a new reality, we have to come to terms with it. And it implies, at its fundamentals, peaceful coexistence or catastrophe. Blair said in a speech before religious and business leaders uh, at the Time Warner Centre, if faith becomes a countervailing force, pulling people apart, then it becomes destructive and indeed dangerous. It's interesting, former President Bill Clinton, who became a close friend of Blair's when both men were in office, opened the event, putting his arm around the former Prime Minister and calling his faith genuine and deep. Blair, who stepped down from office last year, recently converted to Roman Catholicism. He has faced ridicule in widely secular England for openly discussing his spirituality and the fact that Alistair Campbell once says we don't do God. But it's interesting about the funding. A Blair representative said the group has received donations and ple pledges in the tens of millions of dollars from individuals, charitable groups, companies and governments. The foundation plans to release exact dollar figures in its annual report. The group's advisory council includes mega-pastor Rick Warren, and also we have people like Ismail Kudar al-Shati 
an advisor to the Prime Minister of Kuwait, and were Baptist and Jewish leaders. Catholic Cardinal Murphy O'Connor of Westminster has pledged to join the Council when the Pope allows him to retire. He's past retirement age. And, and so it all rolls on. There's a lot more there I could say, but uh, it's all happening before our eyes, uh, and there's going to be opposition to people who wish to remain true. We can see that true to God's word. Blair said you cannot understand the modern world unless you understand the importance of religious faith. So that's uh, all leading towards the one world religion. While I'm talking about Rick Warren and his purpose-driven movement, following Bill Hybel's example, Rick Warren will be dining with Christians who say they are homosexual and proud of it. They are bringing their families with them to Saddleback, that's his church, on, for a Father's Day celebration. This is the same homosexual road trip that has travelled the country to various megachurches to win converts to their views on sexuality. Even Joel Austin said no to such a gathering. These are professing Christians who are in moral revolt against the word of God. They're not atheists at a homosexual pride parade who need someone to bear witness to the truth. These people know the truth and have rejected it. Not only that, they want everyone else in the church to reject it too. Comes from Christian Research Net reports. Another interesting thing was people quite often these days on the wireless you hear them talking about His Holiness the Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama is not His Holiness. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The Dalai Lama is unregenerate and leading millions to hell. None of his good works in trying to bring peace and freedom to Tibet will ultimately earn him anything in God's final court of appeal. Or as they say here, his final court of no appeal. Only the righteousness of Christ received my faith will be worth anything in God's sight. And we always hear that spoken to about the Holy Father, the Pope. And the writer here says, I have only one Holy Father, and he is Almighty God. When man-conferred titles contradict scripture, we cannot use them. It is also a deep affront to the Lord Jesus Christ, who did... How did the Apostle Paul refer to those who teach another gospel and not the gospel of Jesus Christ? But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? If I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Galatians 1, 8 and 10. So, all these things are happening before our eyes. Let's go on to Deuteronomy chapter 14 and verse 28. 
We had, we spoke last week about, or when we last met, uh, about tithing. And this follows on. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring forth all the tithe, tithe thine increase the same year, and shalt lay it up within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow, which are within thy gates, shall come, and shall eat and be satisfied, that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand, which thou doest. You know, when we start to look at the tithes, they always appear to be a little bit difficult to get our heads around. Our Lord, the God of Israel, throughout the the Old Testament, he was constantly seeking to draw the hearts of his people to himself. By means, and he did this by means of various sacrifices, by means of various ceremonies and other events, and they're all in the Levitical laws. And throughout the first five books of the Bible, we get all these regulations. And to us, they may seem fairly complicated. But you know, Leviticus in particular is called the, the priest's guidebook. All was laid out for the priests to follow. And it was all, none of it was man made, it was all what God had said. And all was to bring the people nearer to their God and for them to walk in closer harmony with those laws and commandments. And that's why Moses keeps on repeating here in Deuteronomy, as we said before, repeated himself again and again and again to keep the commandments of God. Within those commandments, within those ordinances and within those Regulations. There was an ascending number of what we might call holy observances to which the practicing Israelite was obliged to participate. I was just going to mention these in, in, in passing. No doubt we could spend considerable time on each one of them. Someday we may do that, God willing. And when I was thinking about this last night, and also in passing, that expression, God willing, is not one which we hear much nowadays. I remember when, when we were young and when I was a kid, I, I always remember the church notices when they were being given out or when they produced a little leaflet about some event. You always got the words in brackets after it, uh, DV. And it meant... Deo Valenti, which is Latin for God willing. Deo God and Valenti willing. That anything we planned was to be in the will of God. You know, even in Catholic Ireland, even to this day, if you a conversation could go something like this, well, I'll, I'll see you next week, and the person could very well answer, yes, that's, that'll be great, God willing. You know, there's still that feeling, even though it comes out fairly uh, automatically but they still say it quite a lot when you're talking to people over there in Ireland how sad that we seem to have lost this amongst Christians the, the dependence upon God 
when we make plans. James, in James 4.13 it says, Come now, those saying, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and spend a year there, and we will trade and will make a profit. That is the trouble, isn't it, now? We are all geared to making trade and profit. Who do not know of the morrow. For what is your life? For it is a vapour which appears for a little time and then disappears. Instead of you saying, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. We should be careful that as we make plans, they are always God willing. You know, it says there, our life is a vapour. Always think of uh, the, 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 who was it? The chap who, who, who saw the, the steam coming out of the kettle. And uh, Newton. And he, 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 he started thinking about all that power that was within the kettle. But, you know, we see steam or vapour coming out of a kettle. And then it's gone. And this is what our life is like. I read something the other day, and it's, it's quite sobering. It said, there is less sand in the hard glass of life today than there was yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought that would pull you up when you think about it. Sand is running out in each one of our lives. There's less there today than there was yesterday. But to go back to these ceremonies that I was saying that God had instituted within the life of the Israelites. There was the first thing they had was uh, the morning and evening lamb sacrifice. That was something which happened every day. They had a sacrifice in the morning and the evening sacrifice. The psalmist says in Psalm 141, Let my prayer be set forth before you as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. We have many references to the evening sacrifices. Do you remember the contest with the prophets of Baal on Mount Sinai, on Mount Carmel? Uh, and oh, they were all cutting themselves. And then it was the Elijah's turn. And he's, it, he took over at the time of the evening sacrifice. Various things happened in scripture around that time. It's interesting that the time of the evening sacrifice is reckoned to be at three o'clock in the afternoon or the ninth hour. The ninth hour. And if this is correct, and I, I believe it to be, how wonderfully it corresponds with scripture. The lambs were slain at Passover at the evening sacrifice time. In Luke 23:44, and it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the, the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. The time the lambs were being slain for Passover, the Lamb of God was offering himself for the world. A perfect sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, he offered himself for you and for me. Hebrews 9.12 reminds us of this. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, 
sprinkling the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, how much more shall it purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So we had the morning and evening sacrifice, and that speaks to us uh, in what took place in the New Testament. And then the, the next thing that God instituted was the Holy Sabbath every week. A time where work was not to be a distraction. When the Israelite could concentrate on the worship of Jehovah. A time when they were not allowed to do the normal things. And if you still go to Israel you find in, in various places there is strict observance of the Sabbath. I remember they wouldn't even let us put on the toaster in, in the hotel we were staying in because it was a form of work. Today we have somehow lost the attention which there once was to the worship of our God and Saviour don't mean that strict man-made solemnity and formal Judaistic type of worship following the tradition of men but a time of worship on the Lord's day given over to the meditation and chewing of the cud as we said a few weeks ago chewing the cud of God's word in quietness and peace away from the world Fanny Crosby's lovely old hymn says here from the world we turn Jesus to seek. Here may his loving voice tenderly speak. Jesus, our dearest friend, while at thy feet we bend, oh, let thy smile descend. Tis thee we seek. Saviour, thy work revive. Here may we see those who are dead in sin quickened by thee. Come to our hearts tonight make every burden light cheer thou our waiting sight we long for thee here from the world we turn Jesus to seek we want to worship our saviour in a manner to please him you know Jesus was walking with his disciples one day in the cornfield and they plucked some ears of corn and they rubbed them together you've done it I'm sure if you lived in the country at all and you get the husk off it and eat the kernel inside it said in Mark this story in Mark 2.27 and they criticised the disciples to Jesus and he said unto them the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath they had added so much and so many restrictions onto the keeping of the Sabbath that they had made it practically impossible for the, the Israelite to keep it the Sabbath was made for the Israelite to rest and to enjoy the worship of their God and there is uh, so little rest these days that people have they, they are so busy and Satan wants people to keep their minds occupied on every day of the week so that they don't have time to think about the things of eternity 
The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And then the, th the third uh, observance we have was there was the, the new moon every month. So we had the, 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 the evening, morning and evening sacrifice, the one every day. We had the, the Sabbath every week. And then they had the, the new moon festivals every month. And you remember the story of David and Jonathan and Saul was chasing Saul, uh, David all around the, the countryside. And he was supposed to attend <coughs> the, the, the new moon festival with the king. And, and Jonathan said, you're going to be missed. You're going to be missed. Because they celebrated this festival, the, the new moon. And it was a time of enjoyment. But you know, these festivals, they were to be times of worship. They were to be times of joy and happiness. In the worship of their God. But sadly, Israel drifted away. Drifted away from their God. They rebelled against God. And so, if you turn to Isaiah chapter 1, we have an interesting uh, uh, result of all that. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 13. God speaking. He says, Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths the calling of assemblies I cannot away with. It is iniquity. Even the solemn meeting. Things have become serious. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you. Make you clean. He pleads with his people. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Oh, this speaks to each one of us. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. Oh, he was always handing out this result of, of following him. To eat the good of the land. But you know. God was constantly calling his wayward people. Back to himself. And we know eventually. He permitted them to be taken captive to Babylon. And to us. He is desirous of our fellowship. He desires that we walk in fellowship with him. It's, a, it's an amazing thought. That the God of all creation, King of kings and Lord of lords, he says, if ye say that we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness, we lie and do not know the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with God. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Wonderful. Amazing that we have fellowship with our God and Father. And then the fourth thing that we have here came the Passover every year. Going again with the morning and evening sacrifice, with the Sabbath, with the new moons. And then yearly they had the Passover every year. A gathering together of families to join together to remember the deliverance and salvation of their people from slavery through the blood of a slain lamb and we have gone over this so many times all pointing to the lamb of God who would come and take away the sin of the world and the defeat and, uh, of sin and the victory over sin and death and the grave through our Lord Jesus Christ so they had a, a yearly feast to remember And we saw the last time we met that the Israelite was to present a yearly tithe which was to be enjoyed in the place where God had put his name. And now we go on to these two verses in Deuteronomy at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 14. And this is something which was going to take place every three years. Later we will look at a day, a time or a year of release which will take place every seven years and then there was the year of jubilee which was taking place would take place every 50 years so god had this system of one year uh, one day every day every week every month every year every three years every seven years and every 50 years wonderful system all to try and encourage the people to stay close to him day by day to provide for their spiritual welfare and if they maintain these religious principles there would be promised material benefits and so with that background and the, the, the thinking of that Let's just read these two verses in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 14. At the end of three years, thou shalt bring all the tithe of thine increase the same year, and shalt lay it within thy gates. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are within thy gates shall come, and shall eat, and be satisfied that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest this was something when we look at it it must have been something very special and very joyous this was more encompassing than the yearly tithe that had been for the immediate family for their enjoyment in the place where God had chosen but this includes wider groups. 
the, fo the former was to be partaken of away from home but this was to be within thy gates it was a local thing what a happy scene in all the towns and villages of Israel this must bring to our minds every three years all the benefits of God's blessing materially was to be distributed what a great idea and it was to be distributed to God's ministers those who had the responsibility the Levites of maintaining the, the laws and the rules of God it was to be including the strangers all the temporary residents those passing through Israel all those gathered around temporary residents strangers and there it was to be for the fatherless the orphans those who had no other means of support and then it was for the widows whose husbands had died and who were there for they had nobody supporting them all were to be catered for without respect of persons and treated equally what a great idea and it would apparently seem that it just wasn't that, that whatever was gathered up on that third year was probably spread out over the, the next two years until the next third year arrived because you couldn't have them all eating a whole lot for the first uh, for one year and then being starved for the next two years it wouldn't work out that way but there we are we must remember that in the first place any tithe the whole point of a tithe was the property of God the tithe belonged to God in the first place and the distribution of the tithe was thus to be in accordance with his grace and will it was the privilege, the blessed privilege of the Israelite to distribute the blessings to the needy not on his own behalf but on behalf of God and if you look at the first chapter of James you'll see that this principle uh, is, applies First, James chapter 1 and verse 17 <clears throat> every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning anything that is given and what is given that's what it's really saying every good gift that's the, the giving of the gift and the result the gift comes from God so any blessings that we have any material blessings and spiritual blessings they all come from God so they're really not ours you're not your own, you're bought with a price. So that anything we receive, we receive is not ours. It's been given by God for us to use for his glory. And if you go on, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. And be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, 
He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in all his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And note, in uh, we, we, we look at that in a minute, do you note that it says in these in the verse uh, just those two verses we just read in verse 29 the widows, the father the, the stranger, the fatherless and the widow and which are within thy gate shall come shall eat and shall be satisfied three things in Deuteronomy 14, 29 they shall eat, they shall come, they shall eat and they shall be satisfied and by obeying the voice of God, they did this in order, in order, and the last few verses, the words of that uh, uh, verse 29, in order that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest. That was the result. If they distributed this, this the goodness of God and the tithe, and the way God says, it was so that the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thine hand which thou doest there was a result promised to them if they obeyed God God had a desire to bless his people always provided that they gave him the opportunity by obeying him do you get that? for us today we have a lot to learn from these verses. We look out on a cruel and selfish world. A sick world with a broadening gap between the rich and the poor. A world where there is no thought of God by many people. A world of greed. A world of, a world of cruelty. A world of greed. You know, I don't know whether you saw on, on, on television that Wayne Rooney and his girlfriend got married and reputedly sold their wedding rights, the photographs, for something like, I think it said, £2 million. We saw that programme on television. There's a lot of it in the papers this weekend where a young man lied on his CV and still regarded as a good candidate for a hundred thousand pounds a year job and few people seem to think that's odd what an image that gives to our young people but you see as Christians we have to live in this world and we have to be lights it was always God's, God's intention that Israel would be a blessing as he shows here in these verses would be a blessing to the nations round about how they failed we, we in turn have to be salt and light 
Where we are, there should be rays of light dispelling the darkness around us. We should be like salt, and we should have a purifying and preserving effect on those with whom we come in contact. What effect am I having within my gates? This event was to take place around people that knew them. Always difficult. Look what it says in Galatians 6. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. We read there in James 1.27, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And 1 Timothy 5, Paul speaking to young Timothy, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. God gives us benefits to enjoy. Material blessings. But he doesn't say here, if you feel like it, if you think you have money over, or whatever it is, he says, charge them. Charge them. Instruct them. It's an order. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, willing to ready to distribute willing to communicate laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life O Timothy keep that which is committed to thy trust avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called you may have noticed in those verses the obligation to us as Christians to help those in need. However, however, there is another point to notice. Our first obligation, it says, is to those of the household of faith, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. Now this doesn't include all these faiths that everybody talks about, Tony Blair and others. You'll hear them talking about faiths. Faiths in any other than the Lord Jesus Christ is faith in, as Jesus said, the, their father, the devil. When he spoke to those who had not faith in God. Our second it says is to keep himself unspotted from the world pure religion is to visit the fatherless and the widows and to keep yourself unspotted from the world it involves preaching the gospel so that they may lay up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may hold lay hold on eternal life when we distribute we must include it 
with the pure, undefiled gospel. And it goes on to say in Timothy that we may constantly keep that which is committed to our trust, the word of God. The word of God has been given to us and Paul, in relation to people who are distributing this aid, the main thing that they may keep that which is committed to their trust. And the third, the next thing was avoid profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so called. If we distribute under those principles, then we are obeying the word of God. Avoid these vain babblings. The babblings of ecumenism and the sirens of false religion are constantly calling us to join in projects run by an amalgamation of error and the social gospel, which is not the true gospel. If we are to be true to our Lord and Saviour, we must avoid these teachings. And as it says in Romans 16, verse 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offences contrary, contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. Don't get involved with them. It is so easy. So as we see it happening all the time, to be caught up in projects which are so good, but which entails compromising the faith of Jesus Christ once delivered to the saints. We need to be careful. May God help us to walk the narrow road and keep to the King's Highway. Do you remember the little chorus we repeated way back? near the beginning of this series it seems a long time ago the CD I think is titled The King's Highway but it's so apt as we look at these verses as we seek to help those in need we still have to remember that we need to walk on the King's Highway it's a narrow way there's a grand highway that is free to all and it leads to the King's abode it starts at the cross where Jesus died it is there you must join the road tramp, tramp, tramp I hear them marching hark, hark, hark the pilgrims sing and the highway shall be my way I am going to see the king